This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. This is Double Tap Canada from AMI-audio, the place where blind people talk tech. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. It is I, Stephen Scott, back with you here again. This week, I've got Sean Priest with me. Hello, Sean. Hello, Mr. Scott. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. Joe, I'm always so easily distracted, as you know. This is getting worse as I'm getting older. I, I, just as, as we began the show there, I heard the lovely lady say, blind people talk tech. And just in my head, I kind of felt, is, is, it, is that a fair assessment of this programme? Really? I mean, you know, blind people do talk something. I'm not entirely sure it's tech all the time, but we do try our best. We can't change that now. The lovely lady took the time to record that for us. We're not changing it. Exactly. That's she right. can't say blind people talk rubbish. Well, maybe we should get her to do that because that might be more accurate at times. Um, Trading standards. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, look, we've got lots to talk about today. We're going to be joined by a special guest shortly. JJ Meadow is back with us from blindbargains.com. He's here to talk about Ira, Sean. Ooh, yes. Uh, we have some big news in the world of Ira. Uh, you know, it's one of those services that I've been a fan of. Uh, I've never, I've signed up. In the UK, we are now able to get the service. I'd signed up when there was a bit of a free trial going on when they were testing the service out in the UK, and I've never used it once. <gasps> you should be ashamed of yourself. Ira is amazing. And I was one of those people that said, ah, I don't care that it's not in the UK yet because we've mm. got Be My Eyes, which is also amazing. But I used Ira for the first time the other day uh, to help me try and fix a laptop. You know, I had to press oh. one of those function keys to turn on the touchpad or turn it off. I can't remember which now. So I needed it to... just throw it away. Well, yeah, I was close to that. So I thought, <laughs> I'll just give it a go. And the person was amazing. She couldn't see what key it was just by using the camera. So she went off and Googled it and got the model number and read the manual and told me and fixed it. It's that extra mile that they're willing to go, which you don't feel eh, maybe comfortable or you wouldn't expect a volunteer to do. That's the difference. Mm. Well, of course, the challenge now is doing it, uh, getting Ira for free, which a lot of people were able to do and were able to call up for, say, five-minute calls. And then, you know, you would hang up and you would call back again and you could hang up and call back again. And some people got a bit annoyed about that. And, um, well, let's just say things have changed, Ira. So we're going to get the latest on that. But before all this, I've got to tell you about what I bought this week. Um, now, look, being safe when you get back out there, and I don't intend to get back out there. I'm quite happy at home. I like my house. I don't plan on leaving it. I know you love your shed. Correct. There's no desire to leave. Uh, but if we do have to venture outside, well, you know, one thing you have to do nowadays is get used to wearing a face mask. Now, some countries have been used to this. Cultures have been used to it for years. Uh, China, of course, being the most prominent, uh, you know, being uh, people who are so used to wearing masks out and about, but we've not been used to that. Well, uh, now, of course, getting out there and wearing a face mask is important. So what I thought I'd do is find the best face mask you could get with technology built in. Oh, now you've thrown me. I thought this was going somewhere else. Now I'm interested. Oh, where did you think it was going? I thought you were going about your tartan face mask. Ah, well, see, now you're right, because I did buy my tartan face mask. Our First Minister of Scotland, the wonderful Nicola Sturgeon... Uh, here in Scotland, she wore this um, beautiful tartan face mask. And a bit like when Oprah shows something off on television, everybody goes and buys one. Uh, well, it was the same here with this. Everyone bought these particular tartan face masks. They are lovely. I got two, one for me, one for my wife, and I really like them. But, no, I like a bit of tech in my life, as you know. 
And what better than being able to add tech to your face mask? So I've bought, wait to hear this, a bone conduction audio mask. I, 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 I don't know where to start with that one. How does that work? Aftershocks for your face. <laughs> does it rattle your teeth out? How, I mean, where, where's the conduction part come in? So if you think about wearing a face mask where the mask goes up your cheekbones, the speakers are there and they will transmit sound into your head the way that you would if you actually were wearing a pair of, say, aftershocks, exactly the same positioning where you would get the, the audio in that way. Um, these are Bluetooth. They have Bluetooth 4 uh, in them and they're able to connect a smartphone. You can use them with navigation aids, all the things that we would you know, think about using these for. And, um, yeah, it's all built into a mask. I will say, now I've been told this by uh, Marco Flalo, my a good friend and uh, co-host of Double Tap TV, that apparently I will look like Hannibal Lecter wearing this. <laughs> that doesn't bother me too much. I generally don't like people, so it's fine. I'm going to be okay with this on. Scare them away, um, yes. Exactly. Uh, listen, if you're interested in this, uh, it's by a company called VivZone. I have seen others, but this is the one that is doing the rounds at the minute in the news. Uh, or the text sources I'm reading, uh, Vivzone, V-I-V-Z-O-N-E, did I say that right? V-I-V-Z-O-N-E dot com. And it's called the Bone Conduction Audio Mask. You can only get it in the US. It will ship to Canada. Uh, you can't get it. I can't get it here in the UK. So someone, I can't think who, maybe someone by the name of Mark, perhaps, might be sending me one in a care package. Uh, well, uh, the Bone Conduction Audio Face Mask is $99. Yes, $99. But um, I'm going to get one. I'm going to see how Why? good it is. Why? You are crazy. When See, I thought you were going to go down the route of it had LED lights on, on it or in it. Which, that would be great That would well. be amazing, especially if they could move like a mouth. That would be incredible. You can get, oh, you can get them as well. You can buy those with little screens on the front. Some, some companies are using them uh, to showcase their logos or to maybe direct people. It's great for people who are deaf. There's even talk about creating one with a screen that will caption what you say. I mean, that would be amazing. Wow. Um, I mean, think about it. This would be quite incredible if, when, once it goes down this route. So, yeah, this is. The, but this one I think is good for us, for, for blind people. I think there's some good benefits here. So, uh, yeah, check it out if you're interested. I'll let you know how I got on with mine. It should arrive. It's coming from Canada, so it'll take 10 years. Yes. And um, <laughs> I'll get it when the pandemic is over and done with. Uh, but, you know, I am looking forward to trying it out, so I'll, I'll let you know more. Anyway, let's talk about Ira and uh, lots of other exciting tech news of the week. Uh, with us, our special guest this week, JJ Meadow joins us from blindbargains.com. Hey, JJ. Hey, it's been a minute. How are you doing? It's been crazy. How long has it been since you've been on this program? And the last time I think you were on, you were under a duvet or a jacket <laughs> in a convention hall. Remember those days when you could travel, JJ? Yeah, yes. Uh I was at CSUN this year. I don't think, I'm not sure if I came on the show for that. I don't think I did, but CSUN this year, which was quiet and hardly anyone went. That was pretty much the beginning of, of the end COVID just taking <laughs> over the world. And yeah, that's right. Since then, that's, that's the last time I left uh, Michigan and, uh, kind of been hanging out around here and uh, going crazy and doing yes. a few Zoom meetings. Yeah. Just ask the end of Zoom meetings or Teams yes, or yes. Google. Whatever it's called this week. Um, right, yeah. Actually, yeah, it's just one Zoom meeting that just keeps going over and over <laughs> and over. One endless Zoom meeting. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. life. <laughs> I know. It's, it is wild. Um, it's I, great. You, you're so – I know you love it, Sean. But, you know, for a guy like you, JJ, you're always on the road. You're always on the move. You love traveling. This must have been a – and it is a difficult time for you, I guess, 
being trapped like you know it's an adjustment i'm not sure i call it difficult there are people in much much worse and dire situations that i'm in i'm thankful that most of what i do as a company as uh, doing the blind bargains podcast doing at guys it's it's a very remote business in the first place yeah we love going to Mm -hmm. conventions and shows and all that stuff but most of what we do is talking to people online and over the phone anyway. So that part hasn't yeah. changed. So we're definitely glad to be around. Um, and, you know, and compared to a lot of others, I, you know, we can't be uh, complaining too much. But we will anyway. So it's all fine. Um, okay. Well, look, let's, um, <laughs> well, look, we will. That's for sure. Sean and I are the kings of complaining. Of course. He's worse, obviously. Um, he's Scottish. He's much worse. Oh, I'm, anyway. I'm, well, it's in my blood. It's part of my, uh, thing. And apparently, JJ, I don't know if you get this, but everybody tells me I always sound angry all the time. I don't know what they're talking about, personally. I didn't realize, am I supposed to arbitrate? I, I didn't realize that was part of the, the gig this time. <laughs> Please help us. <laughs> We're having difficulties. I don't have any connections with Judge Judy or anyone like that. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, even it's, it's so bad for her. Even she's quitting. Um, that's that's where she is. Uh, but look, let's talk about Ira. Uh, that's why we wanted to get you on because Blind Bargains, um, I like to say, broke the story. I know you're far more modest than that, but um, I, I think it's fair to say you did break the story. It's the first place I read it, and I know many people read it on Blind Bargains. And this is the news that they are moving away from – they're not moving away entirely from free five-minute calls, but they're spacing out those calls more so that you can't, for example, just live your life on a free tariff just by continually calling five minutes, hang up, five minutes, hang up, five minutes, hang up. Uh, and some people are um, – well, there's a mixture of opinions, I think. We're going to hear a few of them in a few moments. But uh, tell us what you know about this story so far. Yes, yeah, so going back about a year Ago, August 2019, Ira announced the big free call offer and with big uh, press release. Ira is, is free. Ira will always be free. Okay, that's cool. As soon as I saw the offer last year, I don't think I was the only one that said, oh my gosh, this is not sustainable. So Ira, being a service that you used to have to call in and pay for, there was a way to get free calls for some specific tasks. Like if you were a job seeker. You can and still can get free minutes. If you're a small business owner like myself, you can get free minutes. And there's a few other things. Uh, the IRA Access Network, a lot of airports are free. But then they went a step further and said you can get any call, any task, five minutes for free with no limits. A lot of people would just assume there were limits and there weren't any. So, yeah, you could be on the phone for five minutes. And then if you were running out of time, the agent pretty much would tell you, yeah, you're running out of time. You can call right back. Not a problem. Some people took that way, way, way too far. Um, you know, some would say that you know they were abusing the system. I'm not sure that's the right word because the offer existed in that forum. They could keep calling back over and over for for free. And I think finally, uh, so Troy Atilio came in as a CEO. He is big on the financial side of things, and I think over the past year has looked at Ira and realized and probably do all along, at least him personally, that this is not a sustainable thing. There has to be changes. So now you have the new offer, one call a day for guests, in other words, free members, and then if you pay, you can get up to one call every four hours. It's still very, very generous. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, again, and we'll hear some comment from people in a moment on this, um, differing opinions, I think it's safe to say, but I've seen various comments ranging from, People essentially, as you say, abusing is the wrong word. That's not the right word because it was an offer that was available to them. And if that's 
you know, you could see it as a loophole, maybe it's more of a way yep, to look yep. at it. Um, and I think that's a fairer way to see it. Um, but there are people who are saying, well, look, hang on, if I'm paying for this, why should someone else get it for free? I get that. Other people saying that the whole thing is too expensive and that uh, you, uh, you know, we, we shouldn't be paying as much for this. I mean, a real mix of opinion out there, it seems. You know, right. So you do have people all over the place. I don't think Ira is as concerned about if you were the type of person that's saying, yeah, you know what, Ira costs way too much. You should just be giving the service for free. Well, uh, that's maybe a fair point for, in some cases, but at the same time, Ira can't afford you as a customer anymore. They're throwing so much money away at the free calls. And in fact, lots of people, what they were doing, um, I say they, I actually did this. I had a paid Ira account. I think many other people did this too. And when the free offer came around, I started looking at things and like, hey, you know what? Most of what I do is five minutes or less and the rest I can make work. So mm. I was one. I dropped my service, you know, where I was on a low plan earlier. So I think you had a lot of people that were on plans, maybe the 30-minute plan or the 120. And, you know, were able to look at, hey, you know what? I could just do this for free. Why am I paying anymore? So I lost paying customers over this. So the goal was to expand customers and have a huge user base so they can go to investors and say, look, we have all these users. But I think, in part, it kind of backfired. That's interesting. I didn't realize that was the strategy behind that. It was a case of get the numbers up so we can take this to businesses. Because I know, for example, one thing that Ira have been very keen to do is get into uh, airports, into big locations, conference centers, you know, to, to be there as a, an access service so that when you're in an airport, say, uh, in London, we have Heathrow's airport, which is the, the big uh, main airport, I guess, in, in the UK to get out of to get out of the UK. Um, <laughs> it's the one we go to to get out of this place. Um, and, uh, you know, they made that an IRA access location. There are many of them across the States and in Canada as well. Um and, you know, I guess that the hope was that those kind of businesses would put their hand in their pocket and that would help bring down those costs. But, of course, in actual fact, what they've done is kind of the opposite because the free tier has meant people have just thought, well, I don't need to pay, like you were saying. And others have said that as well. You know, there's no need to pay if I'm, you know, if I, if I can get it for free and I can get what I need for free, yep. then why pay? And, and yeah, I, I totally get that. Sean, I mean, you know, from your point of view, you're a tight-fisted person like me of course um, you wouldn't pay at all i would imagine if you had the choice you know um, <laughs> no, where do look, you stand on this one and i i've heard so many people saying this is down to people abusing their generosity ira's generosity you know the five minute unlimited call but as both of you have said this was an offer that ira made they could have easily have said okay that's that's it you've got a cut off here you know you, you're going too much that wouldn't have been an issue for them but they were quite happy for these whether the reason is to you know bring up the numbers for investors or whatever they were thinking they were quite happy to offer that free service so i don't think we can attack anyone who took advantage of that at the same time um ira is a business and for people saying oh, we, it's far too expensive and this should be free, I, I agree. Personally, it's too rich for my blood and I couldn't afford um, those prices. The intro isn't too bad. The 30-minute package, uh, I think it's around $30 yep. uh, US. That seems a, a reasonable price. Maybe the minutes, I think, could be ramped up on that. But, yeah, Ira is a business. They, 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 we're not, I'm going to use that word, entitled 
to this for free anyway, I don't think. And I think the five minutes every 24 hours for um, guests is actually pretty generous anyway. When you consider, you know, as we've said before, the um, free access in certain locations, if you're a small business and if you're a, is it Jules users also get a uh, free calls on that if it's regarding a Jules issue? So I think actually Ira are being pretty fair. And looking at the uh, the math, if, if you were a dedicated dedicated user and you really wanted to take this, you know, to the current advantage, you still, as a guest, get over 150 free minutes a month, which is a crazy amount. That's you know, if you did the one call per day, and if you're a member, you can get one call every four hours. So if you were never sleeping, that's over 900 minutes a month. So that actually is a really big advantage. Um, I'm thinking of, for instance, coming back on the 30-minute plan because it actually gives you that uh, advantage of being able to make calls every four hours. That might even prove to be a little too generous, but um, yeah, we'll see where it goes. I mean, now I'm, I'm understanding why they did that in the first place because part of me sometimes felt feels and has felt in the past with a lot of companies that they're trying to do so much to appease the blind community. Um, and, and, and yet in other ways, I see companies that obviously – cannot afford i mean how many times have we had this conversation on the show sean about costs of specialist equipment versus mainstream yeah you know when it comes to braille devices right how much those cost uh if you want an 80 cell braille display you know, you're going to put your hand in your pocket for 15 grand or something it's crazy um you know last week on the show we talked about eSight 4 um which is going to cost in the 10 grand range um you know it's a lot of money that's being paid out so on one hand just, I guess what I'm getting at is there's no middle ground, is there, for, for blind people sometimes? I think that's maybe where this frustration comes from. It's either stuff's being handed out for free or it costs so much money, it's wildly expensive and, and out of most people's reach. And the, art, the actual fact of this is that we can't really ever find that balance because we're a niche bunch of people, right? We're a niche minority. So, and we're a niche, that, and I say niche minority because we're a minority within a minority in some cases. You know, there's a lot of blind people who will use IRA, who will love IRA, for example, uh, but a lot of people who will never be able to access IRA because their access to technology isn't much, uh, you know, up there or their age precludes them from it because they're not, they just feel they're not interested in that kind of world of tech, so they don't get into it. So it's, it's a very difficult, um, it's a very difficult uh, square to circle. It is. One of the big things that I noticed in the newsletter and some of the recent communication is a big focus on uh, transparency because I, over time, has made some decisions that have kind of been, uh, you know, customers have been a bit miffed at some of the things that have happened. So they had the glasses, the, you know, the, the Horizon glasses, and they were a big deal. And then they yeah. suddenly just got discontinued. And you, you mentioned seniors, which made me think of this, and people with limited technology skills. That was one of the big things that those people were using. Yes, it was not the greatest piece of hardware, but it was their only way of accessing the service, and they just abruptly cut that off. So they've made some decisions like that that have been a bit questionable. So I think they're trying to be a little more realistic. One of the things that I think Troy is really trying to do is scale back and focus on the things that will make them sustainable into the future. That was another word that he used, sustainable, because I, you know, I do think at this point Ira needs to do whatever it can to survive or there will be no Ira in a couple of years. And for some people, especially those in business. You think that? Really? You, I, you think it's at that stage? I don't think it's as – I mean, I have no numbers to back this up, but you know, Ira brought in 
millions from investors in the beginning on much the promise that it was going to sustain itself by going to companies, going to businesses, and that's how the, the service was going to get paid for, not necessarily on the user level. And, you know, I don't have numbers in front of me, but it definitely seems like there's a lot more right-sizing now. You don't see Ivor going out. They were just, they were acting like a startup, blowing money. They had one of the Black Eyed Peas come to the NFP convention and sponsor that as a concert, you know, just, just for <laughs> fun. And, you know, really mm. cool stuff like that. And they were doing all these crazy free promotions and stuff. And I think now they're kind of, uh, like I said, trying to right size and like, okay, let's do what we can actually afford. Um, they did launch in the UK, I see pretty recently. So they finally got that going That's and, right. you know, trying to find yeah. ways to bring in money instead of just hemorrhaging it like a, a startup does. Well, that's that's good news. I think their communications have been a bit lackluster, to be honest. Talking about the UK launch, I mean, you know, the, the, what was happening there? Why was it taking so long? It was very difficult to get any answers from Ira. So I right. think transparency was it a GDPR thing, or was it? I, I have no idea. We don't know. I don't know what that I mean, was. Well, I, social media would have been the answer to that for a lot of people. Even just an, an answer. We, we try. We've tried for many weeks and months to get Ira to come on this very program and talk to us about things. And uh, you know, I hope that changes yeah. under this new leadership, as you as you refer to uh, JJ, because I think that would be really good. And you know, I, I think for me, the way I'm the way I see this is, I think this is a very valuable service that could yes. really you know benefit so many people. I mean, I think about it from myself and things that I don't even think about. I hear IRA users talk about getting support for research or for information for things. You know, I want to know when a specific bus or train is coming or a journey that I'm going on is multiple parts and I can use IRA for that. It's not just all about what is coming out the back of the camera uh, and going down the camera because that, I think, is where people can you know, often start to compare it to things like Be My Eyes and those other apps. And it's not fair to do that. IRA is a very different service. And, you know, when you hear the examples of people using Ira to navigate around their area, to use it in those really positive ways, and I think with 5G coming along and hopefully eventually some kind of maybe Apple Glass or Google Glass resurgence or maybe uh, tying in with other products uh, like Envision's glasses, uh, you know, we might get back to that place where we do get the option for glasses again, which I think would actually be brilliant. Um I think the future is very bright. I just, you know, I, I, I'm like you. I kind of hope it keeps going that long. I, I, yeah, and I definitely hope that Ira remains sustainable. And I hope they are able to survive because there are a lot of use cases. Be My Eyes is not the same thing. Be My Eyes is a great service. And some of these other things are great services. But Ira does do some things really well, especially business tasks. Um, I think when they first started, they focused so much on the travel that it kind of got lost on the other things that they do well. I hardly ever use my camera with Ira. I mostly do TeamViewer on the computer, so I have someone remote into my computer to help me look, you know, look at uh, PDFs and things like that. So they're really good for things like that. I know people have used them um, for setting up video, for looking at Zoom backgrounds. So there's lots of other things that a Be My Eyes just isn't going to do as well. No, that's right. Um you know, obviously, we want to hear what people have got to say on this. Let's actually do that now. Sean, you've been gathering people's opinions on the app Voreal. Uh, people have been giving their opinions, some of them um, quite nuanced, some of them fair, some of them um, Brace alternative. Yeah. <laughs> let's, hear what, let's hear what people had to say. Hey, did you hear? Ira is giving everybody a free five-minute call for help, one every day. Wow, that is amazing. When I first heard about the five-minute 
free call offer from Ira, I thought it was going to be a short-term promo type thing. I never thought it would be a long-term offering because I figured it would end up being abused, just like the unlimited number of minutes package was abused and had to be discontinued. I would say get rid of the five minutes altogether and do like you pay $200 for a whole year and then you get two months free. I think that'd be pretty cool. And just get rid of the whole free idea. Maybe they have that five minutes free idea because there are people who can't afford to pay $200 a year for their service. It's very interesting. Those people who have some money want to dictate for everybody how things should go because you can afford to pay for it. Other people may not be able to afford that. Start thinking of others besides yourself. I'm greatly in favor of the change. If you have unlimited free calling, who's going to pay for the business and keep it afloat? They'll go out of business real quick. I continue paying for that because I use a service on a regular basis to do anything from counting puppies to seeing if critters are out of the pasture before I shut the gate or to refill my insulin pump. And when I don't have anyone here to help me through that navigation on the pump, Ira has been a lifesaver for me many times. And uh, making the change to have a limit on the five-minute calls, I think, is a good business plan as well. The problem you are going to have is the board that just phone up with mundane questions, but then they're clogging up the feeds. So those that are paying may be in a queue when really they shouldn't be in a queue. I heard someone say that they call 20 times in a day. That is abuse. As an Ira Explorer, I was like, why do I have a paid plan when all these other people are getting months for free just calling and hanging up? I am glad this eliminates that problem. I can see it as a calculated and strategic move for uh, marketing their product. They wanted to give it free for a while so people, you know, get used to it and become dependent upon it. It's kind of like a drug. And then once they become dependent upon it, now we're going to pull back a little bit. So you can use it less, but if you want more, you're going to have to pay a little bit for it. I don't know. I kind of feel that from the start, Ira was very, very overpriced to begin with. And I don't think that their model was very targeted at the majority of the blind community you know if people took advantage of it so what they took advantage of it till now if people really want ira to change you know protest start a movement you know get a voice keep in mind that these are not volunteers like be my eyes they are trained employees and they have to make their money so that they can pay their employees but on the other hand i can understand how a lot of the blind folks feel because, you know, the pricing can get pretty steep. In principle, it was a wonderful idea and I think it worked fairly well. But there were people who took advantage of the service who had no intention of ever paying for it. And those people who are serial users of IRA who don't intend ever to purchase a subscription for whatever reason, will be weaned off the service because they'll only be able to use it for five minutes a day. 
Well, I think it's fair to say that is what they call in the business a mixed bag of opinions, uh, for sure. Uh, OK, well, look, thank you to everyone in Voreal for uh, offering your opinions. You can e- offer yours here as well, of course. Feedback at ami.ca. Uh, Sean, what's the phone number for people to uh, to get in touch with us that way as well? Yep, you can leave us a voicemail by calling one eight six six five zero nine four five four five. But don't forget to give us permission to use your audio on air. Right, stick around. JJ is going to stay with us uh, for the next segment. We're going to be talking about CSUN uh, going virtual this year, and we're also going to be learning about some new features in Android 11. All that coming up. And now we're back with the Double Tap Canada team for more news on the latest tech from an accessibility point of view. Join in the fun with Double Tap by emailing your comments to feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at Double Tap Canada. Hey, Double Tappers, it's Stephen Scott. I've got Sean Priest with me as well. JJ Meadow is here as well from blindbargains.com this week. Uh, of course, feedback at ami.ca is our email address. Sean, uh, that phone number again. Did you remember it this time again? Stop trying to catch me out. Yes, I did. It's one eight six six five zero nine four five four five. All right, so JJ, while we've got you, let's talk a little bit about Androids. Um, that's that thing that apparently is still going. Um, I've heard it's doing <laughs> you well. Love it! Um, you know you love it. You tried it last week, and well, it was fantastic. It, right? I know. Last week I talked about it in a positive light. The week before I talked about it in an almost positive light. So this week I'm clearly gushing <laughs> over it uh, on that basis. I mean, so last week, uh, JJ, I was talking, because I know you're a huge fan of the show and you listen mm. to every single episode, but just in case you didn't, uh, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, I spoke about Pocket, the app called Pocket, which is uh, you know one of those kind of apps you can use to gather together lots of content you, you come across over Twitter or online or whatever. And um, I talked about my experience of downloading it on my uh, Google Pixel, kind of forgetting I was on a Google Pixel because I was on the phone anyways using it for something. And I thought, oh, while I'm here, I'll download Pocket. Forgetting I was on the Pixel, downloaded it, really loved the app, thought it was brilliant, signed up and everything, did everything I had to do, and then realized, hang on a minute, I'm on an Android phone. What's going on? And and I haven't screamed yet. So I picked up my iPhone and (laughs) I downloaded the app there and I didn't think the experience was as good on the iPhone. And it kind of just made me stop for a minute and think, hang on a minute. This this should be terrible, but it actually wasn't. So, you know, for that reason, I was gushing over Android it for a while. It shouldn't be terrible. Um, there's no, no assumption that this, I, this is Android. It should be terrible. No, it shouldn't. We have lots of apps that are just fine and some are better yes. than the iPhone alternatives, yes. Well, I'm starting to realise this, yeah. But, uh, but the thing you wanted to talk about was Android 11. So the new operating system is... Uh, when is it due out? Within the next few weeks, probably, we're in the public beta okay. phase right now, and usually towards the end of the summer, is they, they don't really do release dates. Kind of Google eventually will just have a, a press release, like, yep, it's out. Yeah, it doesn't have the same kind of kick that you would expect. You know, iOS, we're always getting updates and always hearing about iOS and how wonderful it is. But actually, uh, we don't get much from, from Android in terms of these big announcements, these big uh, new releases. But uh, talk us through some of the accessibility improvements that you're aware of in Android 11. This is what I'm interested in. Yes, yeah, so at the beginning of the summer, uh, Google announced that TalkBack is going to be finally getting uh, what we call multi-finger gestures. So one of the things that Android has had for a long time, we've had the regular you know, swipe right, swipe left, and then we have what is just become called infamously the right angle gestures. I don't think they're that bad. Most people hate them. So mm-hmm. to go into 
some of the menus you do like you draw an L or you go down then right or right then up and those for many people have either been confusing difficult or impossible to actually activate so for whatever reason over time whether it's technology or something else uh, there has not been a way to say take two fingers and tap or two fingers and swipe right or left that's what's all changed now so now there's a whole set of New gestures, some that are similar to iOS, some that are quietly or slightly different, so it isn't exactly copying iOS, which I think is a good thing. You don't want this to be the exact same experience. But Steven does. Now you can uh, do many more things and kind of you know navigate uh, without having to. Uh, plus, everything's assignable too, so you can um, you know make your entire gesture map if you want. Well, as someone who likes to think they're, you know, quite tech savvy, I still get lost and forget. Maybe it's my age, but I forget. The um, what each right angle gesture does. It's very trial and error when I use it. Apart from back or the go home gesture, I've got them down. But for everything else, it's a bit. It's like a kitten pawing at the screen until I get it right. But I am slightly confused why it's taken this long. The whole multi finger gesture, because you know we do have the two finger slide up and down to scroll. So it's not like the. It wasn't capable of detecting that. So, yeah, why did it take this long? I'm just not quite sure. Well, I was going to, I was going to jump in there, but really JJ is the one who had the answer to that one. Um, but what I was going to say was I actually quite like the gestures. I kind of wish we had an option like that on iPhone. Shock horror! What? Um, I know. I, I actually do. I, I've actually got used to them. So are they going to get rid of them, JJ? Have I now got to no, go it looks like they're still else? there. Um, everything's assignable, so that those will remain... There are single, double, triple taps for one, two, three, four fingers. So that's all different uh, things that you can assign. Um, plus all of the eight right angle gestures uh, still remain. Plus right, okay. other things like using the uh, fingerprint sensor for phones that have it uh, is still a possibility. So there's a lot of different creative ways that you can uh, activate the gestures. So we were getting a lot more customization Right. Some of that's already existed and then the uh, multi-finger stuff and some other stuff is, is definitely new. Okay. Uh, anything else? Um, there's been other things that have happened over the past uh, few months um, that have kind of been incorporated into uh, 11. You know, a lot of times with Android, as we've seen in the past, the version of Android, it's more like an update to Windows in that it's a lot more behind the scenes um, with iOS, whenever you get a new version of iOS, and you also get a new version of Safari and a new version of Mail and everything else, where on Android it's a lot more segmented out. So you'll have the update to Android 11, and then later on there'll be updates to other apps that'll take advantage um, of stuff. So there are a lot of new accessibility services for developers that they can take advantage of that should allow for a lot more control over apps and how they speak in various situations. So it might take a little longer for some of that to bear fruit but uh you know they've been doing a lot of focus on just the general technology of android the braille keyboard back in the spring um, was a big thing you know having an on-screen braille keyboard that's you know one of those things you don't have to have a latest phone for that that works on older versions of android and it's now available as well what about braille on android because that's one of the things that i hear people often if they criticize android and, and unfairly android users yes. here yeah, they, they tend to be a bit negative regarding Braille, and, and I don't understand the problem. So, what, what are the what are the issues, and and are they being improved upon? The biggest issues, uh, the biggest issues are dealing with Braille displays and connecting to them. It's been a very limited set of commands. You just don't have the same robustness. There are some basic functions that you just cannot perform using a Braille display. 
on the Android. Uh, there's been talk, kind of rumblings that there's being worked on, but Brailleback has really not been updated that much other than a few minor things we're adding new displays in a couple years. Um, it seems to be the type of thing that you're going to need some pretty deep changes to resolve. Maybe there is some stuff in the Android 11 update that's going to help with that as well, but we still are waiting and waiting and waiting, and it's very frustrating because I've often said, you know, if Android can figure out Braille and bring it to a level that it is on iOS, I think that's what's stopping a lot of iOS users from switching currently. Yeah, that's interesting because I have heard in the past from assistive technology trainers that uh, people with no vision or extremely low vision do struggle or have struggled with certain aspects of Android more than people with low vision. Um, now, I don't know if that still is the case, but I've definitely heard that in the past. And I think some of that also comes from people getting $99 phones and expecting them to work like a Pixel or yes. like a good Samsung. You know, these phones, part of the good and bad of Android is that you can get phones at a variety of price points, but those are also very customized, sometimes running much older versions of the operating system. And I don't usually recommend them. If you want to go cheaper, the Pixel 4a, which just came out, is a great semi-budget option in the three to $400 range, um, and you'll still get the same Android experience. Well, that's a very good point, though. I mean, it, this is the difference, I think, when it comes to Android versus iPhone. When you when you have that conversation with people, it's very difficult because everyone's coming at it on the Android side from different phones, different experiences, different uh, layouts, because, of course, some phones like Samsung, for example, have a slightly different way of doing things to LG, to others. Google Pixel is probably, and I've often said this, the best example, the best way to go when it comes to yes. Android because you're getting that stock Android experience. Um, but it's also about the type of phone as well. So if we talk about, say, you bought a Samsung phone, well, which one is it, right? Is it is it the J5 you're trying to tell me is the best phone ever? Or yeah. is it the S20? You know, There's a huge difference between those devices, huge price difference as well. And that's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. Whereas with iPhone, obviously the whole experience, everything is built to work on all those devices, that whether it be older, and if it's too old to run the software, then everyone's affected by that. You know, they would say, well, this particular phone, the iPhone 5, is no longer uh, appropriate for this software, so we're not going to give it that update. And so you, everybody knows where they are. So the experience is similar, if not exactly the same, across the, the board. You know, I've got an iPhone SE 2020. I think it's a great phone. Uh, it's a considerably cheaper than an iPhone 11 Pro, which I also have, and my experience is the same on both. Whereas, you know, I don't know if I could do that with Android necessarily. Yeah, especially with some of those just kind of knockoff $99 phones from brands that maybe we yeah, haven't yeah. heard of. You know, there are companies that do a better job at providing low-end phones. A lot of the Moto phones, uh, Motorola phones, are good budget options. You know, so there are some that are out there, but... Wow, yeah. You really got to be careful with some of those cheap phones. They just wouldn't work in the way that you would expect. But again, it gives accessibility and the Android operating system a bad name in the mind community because people will try the $99 phone or some tablet that they found. Like, oh, I hear Android has accessibility. Let me turn that on and see how it works. And it's something from five years ago and it works terribly. And then you end up telling all your mm -hmm. friends that, yep, this is not going to work for anyone, which might be a bit of an overstatement. Yeah, that's right. I've got an old HTC here, and it's not great. <laughs> yeah. uh, can you explain this? Um, yeah, get rid of the HTC for a start. Um, but no, I, I think that you know Android has got 
so I, I always I always try and nuance my argument about Android. It's not an argument. It's not really a push against it at all. I think people often think I'm anti-Android. I'm not. I've just made a choice. I wonder and I'm why. An, well, I'm an Apple guy, right? So that's my thing. Everything I have is Apple. I love Apple. Apple, Apple, Apple. That's me, right? Get over it. Um, but the thing is, I know there's a big other world out there, and it's fine. That's great. I'm just, you know, just because I say it's not, you know, for me, doesn't mean that no one else should yep. touch it. I would say that if I was starting off now, I might feel differently. Um, and that's probably the case, actually, because I love a lot of the Android devices. I love what, what Android has on offer. Um, it's just that I'm invested in an ecosystem. I, if they could, if I, I'll, I'll be honest, right? If they brought FaceTime and messages to Android, iMessage, I should say, to Android, I probably would switch. There, I said Apple's it. Never gonna probably make a Apple's switch. never going to do that. No, exactly. I'm never going to do So that. he's never going to switch. So yeah. I'm never going to switch. <laughs> get over it. No, I sort of agree. We all get in- invested in our own little ecosystem. And besides that, it's, you know, people that start on Android love Android. People that start on iPhone love iPhone. Well, the best example of this is when I started, uh, my first experience of Access Tech was Zoom Text. Um, and that's because I got it in my uh, school and I got it in my workplace. Um, and I remember someone coming to me and saying, what about Supernova or what about one of the other, you know, options that were out there? And then when it came to screen readers, you know, maybe you always use JAWS and people say, well, what about NVDA? It's like, yeah, that's great. But this is what I've learned. This is what I use. So, you know, that's why I'm yes. on this. But I am I am intrigued by Android 11 because I'm, I'm keen to see what they do with this. I've got the Google Pixel. I think it's the 4. What have I got here, Sean? You know my phone's better You've than You've got the Pixel 3a. A so great 3A phone, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Now, that's going to run Android 11. It's going to run it fine. So I assume, Jay, well, of course, you're the yes. expert, so you'll know this. Um, so that's going to be great, and I, I can't wait to see what they, they do with it, um, especially around TalkBack, because I think, you know, if with that gesture change, I think, Sean, that's going to make a real difference, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a. I think that's a huge change. And also, the they're separating. As far as I know, JJ, you can confirm this or say I'm out of my mind. But they are separating the actual. He's out of his mind. (laughs) Shut up. They are separating the actual Android core system out as well. So, for example, if there's a security issue. Um, rather than waiting for each of these manufacturers to update their own version of Android, Google themselves can push out core updates to Android. I think that's going to make a big difference as well to the security reputation that Android had and, and you know other core system elements in there as well. I think that's a big deal. That's something that's been happening over time, and yes, and now you can do that even more with security updates. They've been separating more and more things. So if you do get one of these $99 phones, but... You know, which might have uh, just some random subpar messaging app, for instance, you could do- go to Google Play and you can download the Google messaging app, which will work a lot better. So they keep separating more and more components and security, and those types of updates are one of the more recent ones to have received this treatment. And, that yes, it does make it make you feel a lot safer, right, because you do have security updates coming down. You know, I I do think as long as you're careful with apps, you're, you're pretty good with security um, on either side. As long as you're not doing things that are risky and stupid, and you know, Steven. downloading uh, apps that you've never heard of with no <laughs> reviews and you know things like that. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Um, but then, I mean, this has been a big issue as well in the past few weeks. We've seen you know Tim Cook up in front of U.S. Congress talking about the fact that you know. 
many people think that you know Apple have got some hold over app developers when it comes to um, development of apps and the cost that they take out of that, you know, and all the rest, and and also the control they have over the app store. Um, you know, it's a very difficult. Again, it's another circle we're trying to square, or square we're trying to circle, or whatever, whatever way around you want to go, because. In one hand, you want the security, so you want a level of oversight on something like this because you're bringing this down to your phone, especially, for example, if it's a kid's app, let's be honest. Probably a lot of these apps for kids are the ones that the hackers target because the kids just download them and use them, and they don't have a clue what they're doing or, or actually ending up with on their device that could be snooping on the emails or whatever you know communications are going through the phone. So there's that aspect. So you want to make sure that that's you're, you're safe, but at the same time, how much control do you want on it? Because then that could have an impact on, uh, you know, the ability for a developer, for example, to to get their app on. I mean, we've seen examples that were brought up at the at the hearing when Tim Cook was in front of Congress, where uh, someone said that following the screen time feature being added, a number of apps were taken out of the App Store and sort of chucked away, as if, well, you know, you've got similar things going on there, so. You can go away. Uh, we'll bring in the feature. And, you know, when Apple bring in a new feature like that, those apps are then at risk. Uh, whereas in Google, I don't get the feeling that that happens. No, probably not as much. And it's definitely one of those things over time. If you make an app for the iPhone, you're kind of at the whim of, oh, my gosh, I hope Apple doesn't either borrow this feature and just bake it in. Or, you know, I hope Apple approves my app instead of having some esoteric excuse yeah, the whole deal with Epic and Fortnite, um, you know, I think that's more, you know, you can say it's about security. It's really about all the fees that Apple gets for selling, you know, for yes. companies selling in-app purchases. That's a whole yeah, separate yeah. discussion. Um, you know, but yeah, sure, they can use security as the blanket of why they're doing this. No, it's about money. Uh, Lou, before you go, um, CSUN is going online uh, next year. Uh, we mentioned at the start one of the places you would normally be and you were this year, even though there was a lot of controversy around that uh, event even happening. Um, next year's virtual. What's your feeling on that? You know, it's going to be all about how they execute it. So I did the National Federation of the Blind Convention this summer and actually was an exhibitor, and they did a really good job of making a virtual event work. There were just Zoom rooms everywhere and lots of ways to interact and bounce around. There was an app. I think CSUN's going to have to look at some of those things. CSUN as a conference uh, does not have uh, an event app, for instance. I think that's one of those things that really works well for connecting attendees to each other, letting you kind of browse through conferences and sessions and things like that. And then there's the whole issue of how much can you charge for a virtual conference? Are people willing to still pay $500 to attend an event virtually? Will you get that same value? Um, I'm one that usually went to CSUN and didn't pay the registration fee. Um, because you can go to the exhibit hall for free. So, you know, will there be a way yeah. for exhibitors? You know, will there be an exhibit area translating a lot of this stuff virtually? It's not just CSUN, of course. You know, the Consumer Electronics Show is virtual next year. That could be a really interesting opportunity. So you look at these conferences going virtual, you will reach a lot of people. So back to NFB, which gets 3,000 in person, they had... 7,500 almost register, and I think over 8,000 attending in remotely. So it does open up opportunities for people who might never get to one of these conferences. How do you think the other events we've had this year have been handled then, uh, JJ? Because I actually prefer some of the uh, virtual events, I'll be honest. Yeah, well, and, and some of the virtual events have been really good. <laughs> there are some people now like, oh, this is great. You could do this in the future, and we could have a hybrid in-person virtual conference. Oh, boy. I mean, that... 
I, I do think there will be some more interest in trying to stream sessions when you look at the Worldwide Developers Conference um, or Google I.O. A lot of that stuff is streamed, a lot of the sessions, so perhaps it will lead to more conference events being streamed um, or you know broadcast yeah. or maybe there are opportunities in that way. CSUN has been very resistant to that in the past compared to other conferences. They haven't put much of anything online except for the keynote, so maybe this will kind of change their view on things. Yeah. JJ, always good to have you on. I uh, always enjoy your podcasts, everything you do online. For those who want to know more about you and follow you and stalk you or whatever it is people do on social media, probably horrific things, I imagine, um, then uh, how do they do that? Obviously, not the same part. <laughs> well, you can go to uh, blindbargains.com. That's where the Blind Bargains podcast is. We've been on a bit of a little inconsistent. This is COVID thing kind of just throwing everything off. So we haven't put out as many this year, but we've done all sorts of, a uh, lot of stuff. CSUN coverage is still on the feed, and we're going to be doing several things. I'm about to record a cooking show, so I'm going to try not to burn down the kitchen, which will be fun. Wow. Playing with new tech appliances <laughs> wow. and things. Uh, but we're doing that. Uh, Joe's going to be talking a lot about accessible gaming and The Last of Us and things like that. So mainstream accessible games. We're doing a lot of different feature content. And, yeah, we have a lot of news to talk about. So blindbargains.com or search for Blind Bargains wherever you get podcasts. Fantastic. JJ, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you, JJ. Okay, look, we've got some time left before we go. Uh, Sean, let's get to some of the voicemails we've been getting. I, I feel we've uh, been missing out on a few good uh, voicemails. So let's get to those. We keep giving out the phone number, so <laughs> it seems fair to play one or two of the messages we get. Uh, let's hear now from Tiffany, who got in touch with us. Hi, Tiffany. Hello, this is Tiffany with the message for Double Tap Canada. You can play this on your show. I just listened to uh, episode 144 of the show, and I noticed that Stephen's really uh, excited about this Mantis Q40 yes. with the idea of the QWERTY keyboard and the Braille display in one unit. And I have a bit of a different sort of way of seeing things, oh. um, and I wanted to share because as someone who was born blind, I can use a computer keyboard, the QWERTY, and I type on QWERTY on my phone sometimes. But for me personally, I can go so much faster with a Braille keyboard. Now, there's Braille screen input on the iPhone, but it's, you know, that virtual keyboard. And if you don't hold it the right way, it's easy to tap things that you don't mean to or hit the wrong dots. So I decided to pre-order the Orbit Writer, the Braille Bluetooth keyboard. Because for me, the idea of having, like, typing on a QWERTY keyboard and reading in Braille I would almost compare that to, um, to use a weird analogy here, I'm taking German lessons and I use the German Siri voice for when I'm doing my German and the American Siri voice for, you know, day-to-day -day on my iPhone. So I would almost compare that to using the German Siri while reading English. It's just wrong, you know. I mean, it's doable, sure, but it's more eh, force. I guess it doesn't feel right. Not, you don't have that same kind of flow, I would mm. almost say. Okay. Um, I've always used the humanware displays, and what I do as far as taking hand, your hands off the keyboard, I'm left-handed, so what I would do is leave my left hand on the Braille to read, and then when I'm ready to move the line, I'll slide my right hand down just a little bit towards the thumb keys and push the button to advance the Braille to move it to the next line, and then keep reading with the left hand. But that's the way I personally do it. As for alarms, have you guys tried the one on the Apple Watch? It's really loud, and then, of course, it's right on your wrist, and you've got that haptic feedback. 
And uh, I've noticed that seemed to work for me anyway. Okay, thank you for that, Tiffany. Interesting points. Basically, what she's saying is, I'm wrong. Yes. You're wrong, okay. it's forced, and it's just wrong to have a QWERTY keyboard with a Braille display. Well, I've got to say, Tiffany, I'm hearing this opinion from a lot of blind people who are saying this, but I think it does depend on where you started. I think you're absolutely right. I think if you were born blind and you were born, or you're born, <laughs> you were born with Braille in your heart, um, then I would obviously check with a doctor about that. Um, but if you are born blind and you are raised learning Braille from the very beginning and you know using a QWERTY keyboard came later, then absolutely that makes sense why you wouldn't necessarily think that the Mantis Q40 is great. I'm not in that position. I'm in a position where I'm learning Braille later in life. I have been a QWERTY keyboard user my whole time. So it makes perfect sense to me. So, I mean, this isn't, you know, I I know you don't think this way, but I think some people often think, well, Stephen says this is great. So that means we need to trash everything. Oh, no. Um, Well, no, you don't. You know, just just because I like it doesn't mean you can't, you've got to trash your human wear uh, Braille display all of a sudden. I'm not (laughs) going to have that. Um, But I think it's good to have options. And this is, I think, a much needed option for many people and, and kids as well. I think there's a lot of benefits to learning QWERTY keyboard at the start. Although that's a debate for another day, because I'm sure many would argue that case. Yeah, expect more Uh, voicemails coming in next week. (laughs) Yeah, but I do think think learning QWERTY is probably more important than learning Braille keyboards. (gasps) Braille reading, different, but, you know, I think think Braille reading is essential. Yes. But in terms of actually reading it, um, or sorry, writing it, I would say... I think QWERTY is better, but there you go. Um, and your second point about the alarms, well, yeah, I mean, I, I use the Apple Watch alarm. I must say I find it really irritating because with voiceover, you've got to find the stop button. That does get you up, I must say, because <laughs> by the time you find the stop button, you want to kill someone. Um, That's great, but, you know, the Apple Watch is always charging at night, so it doesn't really work for me, that. All right, because oh, you, you don't wear it through the I don't wear it through No, who does? I don't like that. I like to keep everything freshly charged for the morning. And plus, you know, a haptic tickle on my wrist, I need more than that to wake me up. Well, whatever you got up to in your own bedroom is entirely up to you, Sean Priest. Uh, let's not go there. This is a family show. Sorry. Um, okay, so, uh, look, uh, keep in touch with us. We'd love to get your feedback. Uh, thank you, Tiffany, for that. I- I'll be interested to see what others have got to say. Orbit Writer, now that is an interesting piece of kit. Again, if you're into Braille typing uh, through a sort of Perkins-style keyboard rather than a QWERTY, then the Orbit Writer is a great little piece of kit. What is it, $99 from AT guys in the States? It is. It's a bargain as well. I'm surprised you haven't got one yet, Stephen. Oh, as, as soon as I, I, I'm going to get that winging its way to me as well at some point. <laughs> I cannot wait for one of those. That just sounds brilliant. Uh, but look, that's it for us this week. Uh, lots to talk about next week. As always, keep your voicemails, your emails coming in. Feedback at ami.ca. That phone number... One eight six six five zero nine four five four five. Are you going to forget that number one day? And I'm going to laugh my head off, Sean Priest. Uh, right, look, that's it for the show this week. Thank you, Sean. We are back. Uh, don't forget the podcast to catch up with our previous episodes as well. And Double Tap TV. Thank you. Don't forget to tune in to Double Tap TV every Tuesday at eight thirty p.m. Eastern on AMI TV for more technology talk with Mark Aflalo and Stephen Scott. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.